you'd like to turn with me to James chapter 5. I'd like to continue in the meditation of um, in the book of James and would like to reread the same text that we had on Sunday morning, James chapter 5, verses 1 through 6, and perhaps um, come at this from a little bit different angle than we did on Sunday morning. We looked at the plight of those, uh, the poor and the needy in the world, and in particular how they are affected in their lives by the type of people that are described in these six, uh, many times, in these six verses. But as we would reread these same verses, perhaps look at it from the perspective of the plight of these people and the effect that quite often riches can have in and on their lives and what we might be able to learn from that as well. And so beginning with verse 1 in James chapter 5. Go to now, ye rich men, weep and howl for your miseries that are come upon you. Your riches are corrupted, and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver is cankered, and the rust of them shall be a witness against you, and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. Ye have heaped treasure together for the last days. Behold the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud, crieth. And the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. Ye have lived in pleasure on the earth and have been wanton. Ye have nourished your hearts as in a day of slaughter. Ye have condemned and killed the just, and he doth not resist you. Read up to and including verse 6. As I've already mentioned, I believe, a number of times, the verses that we have read here seem to be addressing a very different audience than much or most of the book of James has addressed. It's interesting as you read through James that 15 times he addresses the, the, the readers or those that would have heard this letter as my brethren. And very clearly from that we see that he was speaking to believers, um, brethren, a reference to brothers and sisters in the Lord. And throughout the book of James, he, we, we read this, um, time and time again. And, uh, even, uh, just the verses, uh, um, you know, in the chapter before, that's mentioned several times, and then the verses following this, we see that again. But this particular set of verses, um, speaks very seemingly to a different audience. And maybe we can't know conclusively uh, who exactly he was referring to. If the letter was written to the churches, obviously it must have been some that would have heard about this. Was it some, perhaps, that um, were believers but were going astray in, in their walk of faith and, and had been caught up in, in uh, the world's way of thinking and, and in riches? 
Was it uh, some, perhaps, as we can read in Titus, um, where it says, and there it was speaking, clearly Paul was uh, writing a letter to Titus and speaking to believers, but some that had been caught up um, in, in also different uh, false teaching and false beliefs, so much so that Paul wrote to Titus and said, they profess that they know God, but in works they deny him being abominable and disobedient, and unto every good work reprobate. And so I think perhaps this might have been the very ones that James was would also be speaking to here, that they, people that professed that they knew God or had some kind of belief in God, but that their works denied him, and that they were being disobedient and were not living in the the lifestyle that they were to live in. But clearly he's addressing, um, and very harshly, those that are wealthy, those that are rich. And as we learned on Sunday that, that many um, in the world, um, particularly in third world countries, suffer under... Um, the hands and 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 the um, pressures of of those that perhaps are described uh, in in our text here, but they themselves also have applied. They themselves are also in a very um, have allowed uh, perhaps Satan to deceive them in into a way of life, into a way of thinking that has created uh, the very things that that we have read here. And that we can also look and see how perhaps this can also speak into our lives. When we consider wealth and riches, we, we recognize that, um, as in all of our lives, money solves some problems in life. And, and, um, but it also creates many problems. And, and as we think about that subject, we might want to approach it in the sense, uh, both money and, and wealth and, and riches in a similar way that I believe it was David who said, Lord, give me neither poverty nor riches. Poverty, uh, not poverty, so I don't steal and nor riches that I forget about you. And, and certainly it is, uh, an important balance that we should have in that. And and God does allow us to have possessions, but he doesn't want those possessions to possess us, so to speak. And we need to recognize that that wealth and, and riches can be an important and a good tool, even as we learned on Sunday, how we can use that to benefit and to help others. But as we look at scripture, we can see that it can also be a trap. It can also be a very dangerous uh, um, uh, thing for so many people, and it certainly was for those that are described in these verses. And so we need to look at scripture, and and it's interesting as you look at the entirety of, of the Bible and scripture, how much it really speaks about money. Not only the use of it, but also the misuse of it, and 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 how much warning there is in Scripture about that, 
and, and how the Bible teaches us that we are stewards, that God um, allows us um, in varying degrees to have possessions, to have wealth, but he expects us to use those things and use those possessions in a way that honor him. And as we can read in Corinthians chapter 4, it says, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. And so as we consider what some of these verses might be teaching us this evening, let us keep that in the back of our minds, that as God allows us to possess things and to have money and to have possessions and to have wealth, whatever amount that is, that he has entrusted those things to us and that we are stewards of that. And God is expecting us to to use it in a way that that honors him. And and thinking of a of a song uh that speaks to this somewhat it says um, all the things that I love and hold dear to my heart are just borrowed. They're not really mine. Jesus only let me use them to brighten my life. So remind me, remind me dear Lord. And that is very true of the things that we can possess in life. But we do need to be reminded that they have been lent to us, in a sense. And we are stewards of them. And God is looking to, to us to be faithful in what he has, an entrust, what he has in, entrusted to us and in how we use it. In Luke, it says, he that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in that, uh, in much. And I think that that's a reference of, of being faithful with the material things God gives us so that he wouldn't, as the scripture says, entrust us with true treasure, the things that are of much greater value and so important. And so as we look at these verses here, we can see in a sense that, that the very people that are being described here, um, whether they are unbelievers or whether they are believers that have gone astray or, or whether it's perhaps a warning to those that may be moving in that direction, but certainly to all of us as well that have possessions, that, that have material things at our disposal, that there are, are warnings here. And, and really as we look at this, these verses, we can see almost a, a, a downward spiral that takes place. Um, as as they as they are being described here, uh, going from bad to worse in a sense, and that often can be the danger of possessions that um, one can possess. And so, looking at these verses and perhaps uh, three uh, specific things about that that James is addressing in what he calls these rich men. And he really calls them out in a very strong language and um, we might say judgmental, but really calling them out for the things that they were doing or not doing and, and, and that were obviously not pleasing to God. And so one of the first uh, things that we see here both in, in the second and third verse is that um, they had riches that were becoming corrupted. It says here, your riches are corrupted, your garments are moth-eaten, your gold and silver is cankered, and the rust of them shall be a witness against you. And then he goes on to say, you have heaped treasure together for the last days. 
And this is a, a, a vivid description of, of people that are uh, holding things to themselves or hoarding things. You know, in that day and age, uh, what it says here, their riches are corrupted, it, it probably was a, a reference to, to, to food and to, to grain that they could have easily have hoarded, but by hoarding it may have turned bad. And, and having garments more than one needs, and, and perhaps as, as sometimes we do have garments in a closet that moths can get into and, and create problems, or even these very metals that, that can um, also decay. But the whole concept here of, of, of hoarding things, and when we think of what Jesus taught, uh, in regards to treasures on earth, he very clearly said, lay not up treasures on earth where moth um, and rust do corrupt and thieves break through and steal, but rather lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven. And that's the contrast that uh, Christ's teaching of, what, of which James often refers to and, and sort of the, the the, the message of the world or buying into the world's way of thinking, which clearly these, these men may have, have done here. You know, it's interesting in the, the time that we live in, and, and you probably have noticed as, noticed it as much as I have, how many, um, storage places there are. It seems to be, a, a, an ideal business to be in because people, I think by nature, uh, hoard things. They, they buy things and then don't have room to store them and, and then need a place to, to put them and, and, and just keep things longer and longer. Reminds us of, of the, the foolish rich man that we read about in Luke chapter 12 that, uh, that as his crops increased and, and his, his, his fields yielded more, that he didn't know what to do with everything that he had. And so he said he'll tear down his barns and, and big, build bigger barns, hoarding what, it was, what he had instead of using it in a way that, that God wanted him to. And in varying degrees, it's probably true for every one of us as well, that we that we have more than we need and we keep more than we need and, and in perhaps small ways or greater ways that we also hoard things, things that could benefit others. And, and we live in a very materialistic society and it's so easy to accumulate these riches that Christ and even this scripture here warns us against as do others as well. In Ecclesiastes, the Bible says, um, the writer there says, There is a sore evil which I have seen under the sun, namely riches kept for the, own, uh, kept for the owners thereof to their hurt. And, and that's the very nature of possessions that, if we're not careful, they can possess us. And before long, we begin to be like those described here, that are just accumulating more and more. In Proverbs it says, One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give, and only suffers want. In a sense, um, the wealth for the child of God 
comes not in what we keep, but what we give away. And that truly is what can enrich us and bless our lives. Also in Proverbs, it says, there is he that maketh himself rich and yet hath nothing. There is he that maketh himself poor, yet hath great riches. And that is really another way of saying exactly what Jesus said, not to lay up treasures on earth, but rather to lay up treasures in heaven. Because we can easily accumulate more and more, and in the world's eyes, that may seem like riches, but in God's eyes, it's making us poorer and poorer. And on the other hand, one that is generous and one that gives and shares freely may appear to the world that they have less, but yet they have great riches. So we might want to ask ourselves, why are we prone to that? Why do we want to, to hang on to things and, and, and have those possessions? And it well may be that, that it provides a, a false sense of security for us, thinking that, that by having these things that we are more secure. And in that sense becomes an indication of, of perhaps how much we are really trusting God for the things that we need in our lives. In Hebrews, the Bible says, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. We need to trust God for the future and for supplying, as he has promised, the things that we have need of. And he knows what we need, and if we trust him, he will provide. That's not to say, because the Bible also speaks about laying, um, putting aside uh, for a time when we will need something, it's not meaning that we shouldn't have savings or that we shouldn't prepare for the future and be prudent in, in, in how we use the resources that God has given to us. Um, and perhaps saving that amount of money in case there is an emergency. There are scriptures that teach us the value of that. But to, to hoard it and to keep piling it up certainly is not what the Lord wants us to do because he wants us to trust him for the needs that we have both for today and for the future. And so as we look at these rich men addressed here, we can see that that they were just, as it says here, heaping up treasures for the last days. Was that for the future that was uncertain? Certainly. And, and when we consider what the Bible teaches us that, that, you know, we come into this world naked and, and naked we will leave this world. We, we don't leave with anything that should help us to put a proper perspective on the possessions that we have and hold them very, with a very loose, a very loose hand. As we go on here to uh, verse, um, in specific verses four and, and verse six, it's speaking about the rich and, and, and how they um, are taking advantage of their workers and, and doing that for personal gain. And so just like we've had a warning here against hoarding, here we have a warning against taking advantage of others. And it's speaking here about uh, those that were hired as laborers in the field, 
Reminds us of the parable that Jesus spoke where, where, um, the, the landowner, the farmer went out and hired people throughout the day to work the field. And then at the end of the day, he paid them, uh, each one what he had promised that he would pay. And that would have been the way it was often done at that time, that, that people were hired as day laborers, and that seems to be a reference here. And yet, these rich people, when the day was over, uh, seemingly made excuse or maybe never intended to, to pay their workers what they should. And in that sense, they, they cheated them, which says here, which is of you kept back by fraud, and in verse 6, ye have condemned and, and killed the just, and he doth not resist you. In other words, taking advantage of them, um, whether that was literally or just that they, that they mistreated them in, in not giving them what was due to them. And the Bible already in Leviticus warned not only the children of Israel, but, but everyone that how wrong this was. And, Leviticus 19, it says, Do not defraud or rob your neighbor. Do not make your hired workers wait until the next day to receive their pay. And while we typically don't um, live in a place where people are paid um, the same day and maybe, you know, hired from day to day, although we might do that uh, on a casual basis. Most of us would have jobs and income where where our paychecks are, are more or less guaranteed and secure. But could it be that in our lives, sometimes we may take advantage of people in other ways, in different ways, and not um, give them what is due to them? Maybe withholding payment for, for a service that has been rendered to you or, or, or money that you owe someone. And, and certainly that could be true in, in business. It could also be true in, in other areas of, of our lives. But, but holding back that which is due to somebody else and, and, and often what they are expecting because certainly the workers that are referred to here would have depended on that income for themselves and to be able to feed their families and to look after them. But it's really a warning that, that we should not take advantage of others, that we shouldn't be in any way cheating somebody else or defrauding somebody else of that which is rightfully theirs and that perhaps which has been promised or committed to them. In other words, it speaks to our integrity. It speaks to our honesty and that we would live in such a way that we are above reproach, the Bible says, and that we are honorable and that we would fulfill that which we have committed to and which we have promised. And evidently, it was exactly the opposite here. Had these workers known that they wouldn't, weren't going to get paid at the end of the day, they certainly not, wouldn't not have taken that work. They were expecting to be paid, but then they were being taken advantage of. And finally, in this, uh, this, uh, in these verses, we can read here that, that there's also a warning against the selfishness that these rich people were living their lives and were indulging themselves in. It says here, ye have lived in pleasure 
on the earth and have been wanton. Ye have nourished your hearts as in the day of slaughter. And this idea here of, of living in pleasure on the earth, thinking that, that this life is, is only for this life and, and to get the most out of it. We read earlier in, in James uh, chapter 4 about those that would um, go through life and, and, and do things and, and, and accumulate things, as it says here in verse 3, to consume it upon their lusts contrary to the way God wants us to live. When you think of the um, the story that uh, Jesus spoke about the rich man and Lazarus, and the contrast be, between the two of them, and there we, we know that it says that there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. He lived, lived it up, as we would say, um, in, in, in our world, uh, living for himself, living very selfishly, thinking only of himself. And, and the text there, you can see that, that he thought nothing, even of the poor beggar Lazarus, who was at his doorstep and, and barely had the crumbs, uh, that were falling from his table to, to live on. And had the dogs, uh, the text describes, uh, licking his sores. And what a contrast between this poor Lazarus and the rich man who, who lived so sumptuously every day. And as Jesus gave that story, it, it was not intended to imply that, that uh, rich people go to hell and poor people go to heaven. We know from, from scripture that salvation is, is a free gift that is given to, to us by God. It's, it's a, a gift of grace that God offers to us through faith. And it's freely given to those that will believe and accept Jesus Christ and what he has done on the cross. And rather, what Jesus was speaking to here was the foolishness of living simply for yourself in such a, a selfish way and thinking nothing of others and and how that leads to not only discontentment and and really an unfulfilled life but it also lives to a disastrous end in life you know when the bible teaches us teaches us that godliness with contentment is great gain it's not how much we can accumulate or possess that that becomes great gain, but it's living our lives in a godly way that honors him. And going back to that um, parable that Jesus gave in, in Luke chapter 12, where this rich man uh, said all the things that he was going to do, and if you read that text, you will notice how many times he says, I will, you know, Tear down my barns. I will build bigger barns. I will say to my soul, uh, take thy ease. It was all about uh, himself giving no thought to others. And then God said unto him, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? And then he says, so is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. 
Beloved, it's, I think, in this verse that, that we can see perhaps the key to um, much of what this is speaking about. Riches in and of themselves are not sinful, but often it's what we do with them or what they cause to happen in our lives that become sinful. It's by not being rich towards God that we come into a place of, of danger and of great loss and even eternal loss in our lives. And for that reason, Paul says to Timothy, but they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. When it says here, but they that will be rich, I think it's really speaking about those that that make that their, their priority, that make that their goal. And when you do that, when that is your purpose, when that is your goal, when that is what uh, motivates you and drives you, then you're setting yourself up, as it says here, to fall into temptation, to fall into a trap or a snare. And as it says here, the many hurtful and foolish lusts which which drowned men. And, and we can see the results of that all around us. And then Paul writes to Timothy, goes on to say, For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have uh, erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. One has to wonder if, if perhaps this is the warning that is being given to the kind of rich men that are described in these verses in James. The kind of warning that went neglected, the kind of warning that was ignored, that was perhaps looked at, oh, that won't happen to me, or or that's for somebody else. And yet we can see that they were in that place because perhaps this is the very kind of warning that they uh, rejected and neglected to hear um, for themselves. And it says here, and pierce themselves through with many sorrows. You know, as we go on in the next verses here in, in James, it, it speaks about um, the judgment to come. And it says these words, Behold, the judge standeth before the door. These rich men, they heaped treasures together for the last day. Maybe they were thinking their last days, you know, heap up treasures for their retirement, for uh, enough to, to last them their whole life, giving little thought to others or what God wanted them to do. And certainly not giving thought to the judgment that was coming. The judgment day when all of us will stand before God and need to give an account to him. Because he does stand at the door. And death's door may be very close. We don't know and and time and time again we are reminded of that. And we do well that as we go through life that we hold on to the things in life with such a loose hand that we can let them go at any time. And when our time comes to go, that we would not be hanging on to them and that we will have laid up treasure in heaven. Later on in the same chapter there, Paul uh, writes these uh, 
words and um, repeating them from Sunday. Charge them or instruct them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives giveth us richly all things to enjoy. That they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to share, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. Beloved, if we take those words in their entirety and apply them to our lives, God does allow and bless us with things that we can enjoy, things that we can share with others and and share with others in, in, in the sense of enjoying them together. But he wants us to have the proper perspective on whatever he has given to us, whether it's a little or whether it's more or whether it's a lot, and recognize that these gifts are given to us and he expects us to be good stewards of them. And finally, in in Matthew, Jesus said unto his disciples, and he said this after he um, asked a very rich man to come follow him on the condition that he would sell everything that he had, give it to the poor, and then follow him, which unfortunately he was unable to do because he was very rich and he was very tied to his riches. Not only did he possess Riches, but the riches possessed him and to the point where he couldn't let them go. And then Jesus said, Verily I say unto you that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And when his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. What was Jesus saying here? I think he was obviously illustrating a very uh, real truth, and that is that for those that are rich and and tied to them that that have in their lives a love of money, a love of possessions. Following God, being saved, having um, a, a relationship with God is a very difficult thing. But at the same time, he was saying that just because one has possessions and one has riches, as much as those things can keep us from God and, and, and move us into a wrong direction, that with God, it is possible to use those in a way that honors him. And I think he is telling us that with God, all things are possible. With God, it is possible to, and, and we see examples of that in the scripture, and, and, and many of us have seen examples of that in our own lives, 
of those that had this world's goods, that had wealth or riches or possessions, and were able to handle them well because God gave them the grace and the ability to do that. Because they were willing to to look at scriptures, and, and there's so many of them that talk about how we should handle those things and apply those principles to their lives and to use them well. And so when we consider this and take inventory of our own lives and how we are being stewards of the things that God has given to us, May we trust God and believe that with his help and by the grace and ability that he gives to us that it is possible to have these things and use them in a way that honors God and pleases God. And in doing so, it will not only bless us, but it will also bless many around us as well. And may God give us the the ability and the grace to use whatever each and every one of us have to live our lives and to use those things to his honor and to his glory. Amen.